Shut up and sit down. Tonight is our night to send a message to everyone in the league. We take three points here and we go up. This is the 90 Plus Podcast, part of the Sports Talk Line Network. It's okay in two weeks because tonight we're getting so drunk that tomorrow we're not going to be able to play. Now, here are your hosts, Ben Rigetti and Joshua Griffith. Episode 65 of the 90 Plus Podcast. Ben Rigetti, Joshua Griffith, part of the Sports Talk Line Network. Man, opening weekend... Great for some, great content-wise. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show, but obviously the Caps did fall 4-0 in an ugly, ugly one on Saturday afternoon to Columbus. Uh, we can only move on from there. Uh, just been chatting with my wonderful co-host. We'll introduce him in a second here, Josh, and getting his quick thoughts before we hit the record button and get episode 65 out and going for you guys. But before we do... I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone out there listening. Uh, since we restarted, you know, we've had a number of episodes that have been among the top listen episodes of the 90, the whole 90 plus going back three seasons now. So it's been great. That was all just preseason. We've got so much planned for the rest of the regular season and we've got 33 games to go and myself and Josh will be here every step of the way. So thank you for listening wherever you're listening from on whatever platform for sticking with us as it was an ugly one on Saturday and for sticking with us for this episode because it won't be a fun one today, but we'll do our best to make it enjoyable. So with that, we bring on the life of the show, Josh Griffith, my wonderful co-host over on Vancouver Island. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing a lot better than the uh, the Vancouver stagnant ocean was because I don't think we can call them white caps because that really implies movement. I didn't know uh, if that was like a fairy joke or if that was going after the white caps. But <laughs> it was going. It was going after the white caps. Yeah, but like I said, fair. we got we got thirty three more matches to go. Uh, you know, I've been I've watched the game back now and looking at some things. There there is some things that I kind of I liked. So mm-hmm. after a four nothing loss, it's always good that you can you can find some things you like. But there was a lot of things that went wrong. There was. So before we jump into the rest of the episode, me and Josh, obviously media credentials and everything, not to brag, but we uh, we had a chance oh, to chat. A, with... That was a complete break. Yeah. <laughs> not to brag by clearly bragging. Uh, we chatted with Vanny Sartine in the post-game press conference. We asked him a couple of questions each and we'll play that for you guys right now. I say that uh, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call that uh, our level needs to be better, uh, and and we need to really be, uh, I would say, even more humble and but more and and more hungry, humble and hungry at the same time. Uh, humble when we have the ball and play with less touches and try to play faster and to go over uh, the the pressure of the other team and also not to, uh, 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 I would say, slow the game because the other team today was with a back press, uh, create a lot of problems to us. And then hungry in the sense that uh, 
uh, we need to be able to do the run in front, but also even the run behind. And uh, yeah, now it's over. Uh, it's better, I would say, sometimes to have a wake-up call like this instead of uh, having a, a game that maybe you lose and uh, or maybe you tie being very, very, very lucky. Um, that's the only thing I would say that is uh, nice of this game. It's a really wake-up call. So, boom, we we need we need to get better and uh, and we'll do it next week. It looked like a lot of the midfield were overthinking their passes and were looking to make that perfect one pass instead of stringing some together in, in progression. Did you, did you see that a lot of times as well? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there was a lot of uh, execution that were wrong. Sometimes, the uh, again, I said it before, uh, the, the, the 20 minutes that I liked, that is basically the last 15 minutes, 25 minutes, last 15 minutes of the first half and the first 10 minutes of the second half, we played much more simple. Okay. We have the option wide, no, boom, play inside. It's everything is closed, boom, we play over and then we attack them. It's like uh, that should be our bread and butter instead of trying to do something that we we are not and try to overplay. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll work on that for sure for uh, for next week. Were there positives that you and the coaching staff saw up there or is it going to have to be a take a day or two to go over the game tape and come up with that? Well, the positive for me, it's the reaction. Uh, again, the, the starting of the second half was good because uh, we asked them to stay in the game and uh, uh, and to be uh, ready to fight for till the end. And I think they did it. Uh, I actually think uh, that maybe uh, the decision of... Uh, I don't know if it's a foul when Jake got sent off, to be honest. Maybe yes, maybe no. So we'll see. Um, and uh, I think that if we stayed in 11, uh, it would have been a different game till the end. I don't know if we would have uh, be able to score and something, but at least we would have fought till the end. Uh, uh, so that's a, that's a thing that uh, it's been a positive for sure, that the fact that uh, uh, we try to fight till the end. Was there a point today, uh, at least in the morning, before you guys maybe got to the stadium where you were still hoping and thinking that Brian White would be available even for team selection? No, no, no. Yesterday after training, uh, he said that uh, he didn't feel comfortable, he he didn't want to risk, and uh, that's our philosophy. Uh, we have other 33 games, so it wouldn't make any sense uh, to, to, to have Brian on the field today. And finally, uh, Brienza made his uh, MLS debut, same with Vite, Berhalter and Blackman making their debuts for the club. What do you think of some of the new guys fitting into the system and gelling out there? I think uh, they try to, to, be, uh, to, to put their contribution. I think they did some things very well, some things uh, uh, we need to improve. And uh, like, uh, like, any, other, like any, other, any other player, I'm happy for Emiliano that... Uh, that made his debut uh, uh, as a professional. He never played before, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, for the other guys, okay, it's, it's not a start that maybe they they dreamed in the with the White Cups, but again, it's a wake up call for them too, and try to get better for the next game. That was Vanny Sartini after Saturday's. 4-0 lost to Columbus. A lot to talk about there in just the press conference itself, let alone the rest of the game. But we'll start off with what we saw on the field. Josh, it 
it, it wasn't great. Were there any positives that you saw? And if so, what were they and what can the Caps do moving ahead uh, before we play New York City FC this Saturday in the home opener? Well, there was some positives that I saw. I really liked the play of uh, Christian Dahomey. I liked the play of Diver Caseo. He was a little bit invisible on the offensive side of, of the pitch, but he did a good job tracking back defensively, I thought, and, and getting in those in in the in that like middle area that wasn't occupied by you know the midfielders or or the uh, the defenders on that. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think, uh, left side, on the left side of Jake Nowinski <laughs> there, that they were actually able to stop Columbus's uh, attack somewhat there. I thought some of the the play by Ryan Gold was nice. It just, it just seemed like the Whitecaps were one pass away from being one pass away. <laughs> uh, no, that's a, that's a good way to put it, Josh, because there was, you know, I think calling them a glimpse would maybe be kind of sugarcoating it, but you could just purely from, you know, without looking at the stats or the post-match reports or listening to what Sartini has to say, you could see that they're building something. There's something there and they've got an idea of what the, how they want to play and how they want to look. We didn't see that on Saturday, especially not for a full 90 minutes, but you could see what they were going for. You could see the 3-1-4-2 at times start to be a little progressive. I know that it's obviously supposed to be a bit more attacking and uh, free-flowing uh, in the attacking third rather than the 3-4-1-2 uh, the that we saw last year. We didn't quite see that on Saturday. Um, we've got a lot, again, again, we've got a lot of season to go. There's no reason to, you know, hit the panic button and reset everything and blow it up, Sartini out, none of that. It's, it's one game into a very long and I have a feeling very MLS season. Uh, as we saw from the, the first goal, the double deflected own goal was really the only the way the only way the Whitecaps could start off this season. Well, the way it started off kind of exemplifies exactly what happened the entire match. Like there was there was a couple of build up plays between like Ryan Gall and he would play it over Javane Brown on the wing, and there was a there was a wide open target, whether it be Lucas Cavallini or there, whether it be David Garcedo making a run, and he. They would he just like booted it off a Columbus crew player. Like instead of making like it's just okay, I can just make a nice feeding run pass to uh to Casado who's running down the, the flank here on the wing and, and you know maybe he can cross it in, but it was just pass after pass, it was just right off a Columbus player or had a bounce, then somebody just didn't get it and it just went back the other way. It was a the first goal really set the stage for the entire match, I thought. It did, and it kind of felt like, you know, last season it took two games for the Whitecaps to score an own goal. We raise our bar this one with getting it in the first eight minutes. I think that's got to be a, some sort of MLS record for the quickest own goal to start a season, but I'm sure knowing the Whitecaps' luck, they won't even have that record. Uh, so, Well, they didn't even give it. They, it wasn't even an own goal. They gave it to... Wasn't uh, it? No, they gave it to Miguel Baird. Oh, wow. I think Franco would be a little unless well, unless they change <laughs> unless they change the stat line, which I'm looking. Well, at you're right our now. pool reporter, Josh. This is <laughs> so I only get to talk to the. Um, I, I didn't get to ask uh, Sagafi about any of uh, the calls because I only get to do it for home matches. Oh, so for the yeah, so for it, the the pool reporters will just talk to the MLS Pro 
referees um, during the home game. So on Saturday, I'll have a chance to to ask some questions and submit some questions. But uh, no, it, it is uh, it's still up as Miguel Berry's goal. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned the the referee there. Obviously, a big talking point in this game was yeah. the Jake Nowinski red card. He was on a yellow, um, and the foul just crossing the halfway line. I could see it's a foul. I could, I don't know. It was a soft yellow. And for that yellow to be the second yellow to Nowinski, I think that's very harsh. Uh, it was a huge blow to the Whitecaps who, you know, they were down 2-0 at the time coming out of the the, the break. And I, again, it wasn't a fantastic performance from the Whitecaps in the first 55 or so minutes before this happened, but all of a sudden you're down two goals and a man. It just gets that much tougher. I don't know realistically. I if it if he wasn't if he didn't have his first yellow, I could see it being a yellow. But uh, for that to be the reason for him to get sent off, I think was a bit soft. And pretty much from there, I think he could pretty much write the game off. I will 100% agree with that. And I wrote about it in my um, my post game recap that you know, come on, it's it's the first match of the year. Yeah, you know, if this is the if this is the thirty, you know, week thirty four, then maybe. But I, I thought that um, Nami Sagafi really tried to take over the match a little bit too much. I didn't agree with any of the yellow cards that he gave out, <laughs> except the one to Jake Nerwinski for for tugging back um, Yabo in uh, in the fifty third minute. There, like that was the only one that I thought was like, okay, yeah, I could see that as a yellow card. But all of the other yellow cards, everyone, the one that um, that Dahomey got early, even the ones to Columbus, mm-hmm. I was like, really? That's, you know, it's uh, it's the first match of the year. I don't think, like, Yubo runs over uh, Russell Tiber in the 40th minute, and he calls it, he calls a yellow card? No, just call a foul. Like, it, let them play on, let the, like, the flow go. I, I thought that there was a lot of, yeah, ticky-tack fouls that kind of displaced the the momentum and the timing of, of the game for both halves, or for both, yeah, for both sides there. So I, I, I didn't really agree with uh, a lot of the, the referees. Well, well one of the, the favorites to pick up a yellow card managed to go the full 90 or I think yeah. 84 minutes before he got subbed off. Uh, Lucas Cavallini, no yellow cards, no goals, bit of a trade-off. Uh, but not a lot of anything not a lot of anything and that to be fair that's not entirely his fault we know the striker that he is he's not that sort of player to drop back 35 yards and take the ball all by himself that's just not who he is and you know it's unfair for the white caps to kind of expect him to change that at this point of his career given the success he's had down in Liga mx that uh with the canadian national team and in glimpses with the white caps um, but no, it, it was interesting to see, obviously, you no know, Brian White, how the game plan would sort of differ. And we still don't really have an answer to the question of with Brian White healthy, what is the striker partnership looking like? Was it Caicedo who was fortunate enough to get the, the, the call up and join Cavallini or is Cavallini the one that's supposed to be on the bench filling in next to uh, Caicedo? So we still don't have that answer, but it was an okay showing given what they, the sort of the supply that they had and the support they had behind them again, not, you know, you lose four zero, you're down a man. It's, it's a bit of an ugly game to, to talk about, to write about, to, 
even watch really i guess so it was yeah no i don't know it was it, it was there wasn't too much really to write home about positively i guess for a lot of players negatively i think we could get into one or two oh do we want to get into the do we want to get to the negatives yet? I mean, I can I can talk about Cavalini a little bit because we can go we'll go go for some more Cavalini talk. I'm, we yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I like Cavalini and, and you know you mentioned it, right? Like the success that he's had with League MX and that he still continues to have with the Canadian men's national team. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, like Lucas Cavalini, he's still El Tanque, like he's still a great player. But you see with kind of what Vanny Sartini wants to run and and where he's positioned, like him and David Carcedo are not a good fit together. Because no. if you notice, there was a couple times that the Whitecaps looked dangerous. They would get on the flanks. They would cross one in. Ryan Gold or, or Rusty would, would cross one in. And it's Cavallini and Caicedo in the box. And then, you know, like maybe Dahomey. Like that's, there's no size advantage there for, for the Whitecaps. And the crew were easily able to just back them out and head it away out of danger. And yeah, you know, Cavallini's such a, you know, a, a striker of his caliber. He's going to draw defensive attention wherever he mm-hmm. goes. There, it was a standard 4-2-3-1. All of a sudden, you've got Cavallini. You can almost double team him in the box. And now you've got David Caicedo, who's, you know, full credit to him, as great as a player as he is. It is going to be difficult for him to get his head on a few of these balls up against the, the Columbus defenders. And, you know, got midfielders dropping back and everything and, Russell Tyler and Ryan Gold. I was hoping to see a bit more out of. I think I was hoping to see a bit more out of everyone, but that uh, that pairing there in the middle of of Gold and Tyler, and if you want to include Baldissimo sitting at the at the the six there as well, then you can say that too. But I was really really hoping to see more, considering how well Tyler ended the season last year, how much we saw him progress, especially. Uh, going forward and being a bit more offensive he scored that fantastic goal against SKC uh, at BC Place in I think it was November October somewhere around there Um, and yeah no I I was really hoping to see more I think Ryan Gold also was kept quite quiet I do think at the same time he was the Whitecaps best player in the field Um, maybe not best player He, 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 he he was he, he was definitely one of the top performers and in a, like you say, a, a stagnant team where there wasn't too much going on. You can always trust Ryan Gold and his energy and his experience and his creativity to find the holes, find the pockets, and even just move the ball 10 yards up the field and see what Cavallini or Caicedo or Dahomey are able to do with the ball from there in just a slightly further advanced position. So Gold was... Gold was the one of the better players, but still we've seen the performances he's able to, to drum up. And I think we were both hoping that we could get a, a vintage we Scotsman performance out of the, the gold father. And it just, it, it's, we're going to have to wait a, another few days at least to, to see if he's able to put something together. Ben, I have a question for you because yes, you, know, you brought up a, you brought up a point that kind of, you know, sparked my, my memory and my mindset because yeah. You know, the team obviously went on a great run and made the playoffs last season, and they were running a different formation than they are now. Mm-hmm. And from watching back that Columbus crew match, they almost seemed conflicted about what formation they were running at times. Did you get the same sense? I do. And you think back to uh, the, the second Columbus goal. Uh, it was a long uh, cross field pass. Uh, I can't remember who was able to get on the end of it on the left side. Etienne. but. 
Etienne, there we go. Uh, Etienne was, and, and, and thank actually, you, thank you. <laughs> I'll let you finish your point, and then yeah, no, because Etienne was killing them the whole first half. He should have had probably about three goals. He could have, um, but yeah, you know, you see those, and there was the big miscommunication between Ranko and Javain Brown uh, to kind of see who's covering that corner of the box. If in that, you know, with Brown's playing a little bit higher up than he did last year at that wing back, the three four one two rather than the three one four. Uh, obviously, he's a, a bit further up the field this year. Maybe just kind of that defensive awareness from Ranko and Javain. Not, it's the first game of the season. There's going to be rust. Uh, Vanny said it on our show last week. The team wasn't a hundred percent. He said it after the game. He said it before the game. This team, you know. It, it, no one's 100% at this point in the season. You can think you are, you can get uh, the wheels in motion and that chemistry going, but no one's 100% day one, game one of the opening weekend. That just doesn't happen for anyone. So you see these sorts of tweaks that you can only really get in these full, uh, full on games. And with preseason, uh, you know, obviously you want to get a lot of squad rotation in there. You want to see some of the youngsters. Very rarely do you see an extensive period of time against a high level competition of having a full first team 11 go out there and play at very least 45 minutes together, let alone a full 90. And that's something that's going to come with time because under Vanni Sartini, the whole team's used to that 3-1-4-2. You're going to be used to kind of sitting a little bit further back in the midfield and maybe isolating Ryan Gold a little bit. And that's something that we I, I agree with, Josh, that we saw a bit uh, on Saturday against Columbus. Ryan Gold sitting a little bit further forward, kind of shuttling the ball when he gets the chance and Tiber and Baldissimo sitting further back, trying to move the play up and just not really having much sex, su- success in being able to do so. Dahomey was somewhat effective and I think this is uh, a better role for him uh, this year than last year when they kind of swapped him between a straight up striker and that sort of wing back uh, position he's much more of a midfielder he can go up and down the left it worked well for him it didn't for Javain Brown on the other side and that's where we saw a lot of the uh, the negatives for Vancouver on that right side you see uh, the goal that Etienne scored and you mentioned you know he was all over Vancouver it I, I completely agree, and it, it it just seemed like it was a little bit of last year gone wrong. Yeah, like they were they were trying to run the the three two or three four one yeah. two at times, which again we which was the, a problem that we saw last year, and a rather hot take that I had that a lot of Brian White's goals are kind of. Uh, you know, weren't really through great build-up play. It was smash and grab getting on the ends of things, off corners, off through balls, off muffed clearances from the defenders. But, you know, it, it really isolates that front three. And when you have someone like Ryan Gold, he needs support going forward. You've got Cavallini, who's off the ball. He doesn't do as much work as some of the other strikers in the in the Whitecaps striker room. you got Dahomey and Brown, who maybe at times are a little hesitant uh, to get in the right positions, especially Javain Brown, who again is still young, who's still developing. And this is as far, far forward as he's ever played. He's used to being a standard right back or a standard center back. Now all of a sudden he's an outside midfielder, not even a wing back, but he's a midfielder. That's a lot more work that he's used to doing. So it, it really just seems like there's too much isolation in the midfield. And when you, all of a sudden you've got just Ryan Gold going up against realistically five Columbus crew players, as great as Ryan Gold is, he's not going to be able to win that matchup. No, absolutely not. He's going to be able to win that matchup. Um, just want to correct you on something you said, Veselinovic uh, on the, the side on the goal. Yeah. Veselinovic was playing in the middle. It was Blackman. 
it was it was uh i what was it yeah it was black oh okay it was blackman and brown were having a a really tough time figuring Mm. out where they were what overlaps they were going to cover and again, Blackman, new to the team. Hassal in net, who's kind of dictates a lot of that play, new to being this number one starter. Javane Brown, new to that position. There's a lot of new uh, roles up for the Whitecaps that, again, it's just going to take time, and it's the first game of the season. I thought Hassal played well. He did. He did. Besides, I, I mean, well, okay. Um, Kate, let me, let, me, let me put an asterisk on that. I thought Hassal played well in net. His distribution was absolutely horrible. It, it, and that was, again, the big talking point of what him and Yusef yes. have been working on since the halfway point of last year was the distribution. And that's I think, just, it's, it's just yeah. a turnover. Like, it's just, you're giving away a free possession of the ball. Mm-hmm. And you have it already. So, you know, it's, well, and that's a great uh, way to move on to Thomas Assal because obviously coming out of the, the preseason training camp, that was the, uh, the, the big storyline of there's no Max Crippo. What can Thomas's all do? Will we see a drop off? If so, how much? In what aspects? Shot stopping. I don't think he could have done much with any of the goals. The first goal was unlucky. The second goal, it was a one-on-one. And then the second two at the end of the game, just the defense wasn't there for him. And I, I don't think he, he could have done much or even Max Crippo could have done much uh, on either of those or any of those chances. So, I don't, you know, it's not his fault. 4-0, it's an ugly scoreline. And you think back, you know, he allowed four against Real Salt Lake last year. He allowed four against Seattle. He's allowed four against Columbus. It's the first game and you don't want to overreact, but you could just see that, you know, it's, he, he is a youngster. The, some of the organizational communication parts that we see match Capo real. And again, this is what we've been saying all year. Shot stopping, there's not going to be much of a drop off. Very similar caliber. It's the experience and the communication and the distribution. It's everything apart from keeping the ball out of the net where we're going to see the, the, the difference. And we can see how young and how inexperienced Thomas Assal really is. So I joked around with Thomas Assal uh, during the MLS is back bubble. Uh, when, mm-hmm. when I chatted with him and, and said, he, you know, hey, Thomas, like, you're the only thing that I'm hearing on the broadcast right now. Like, all I'm hearing is you yelling directions, left, right, and center. Like, you go here, you do this. This is what we're doing right now. I didn't hear him on, no. on Saturday. Like, I, the broadcast picks up a lot. If people don't know, they, it picks up a lot of yelling from the players on the pitch. So if, if somebody yells something, it's, it's normally going to pick it up. They have a little bit of delay so they can blank out any, you know, swear words or anything like that. <laughs> uh, it was it was a little bit harder to do during uh, all the MLS's back stuff in the uh, empty empty arenas. I know Ben, uh, we got <laughs> treated to some uh, some definitely fun commentary attending <laughs> some of those empty stadium games for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> remember when, I remember when uh, Freddie Montero got punched in the knee. That was a uh, oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> There was like 30 people in the stadium and just like the sound of it was just like, yeah. but um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it was like, I joked around with him back then and, and I thought that's what made him so good in the MLS with his back bubble is he was just controlling things from the back line. He was, he was the general as he should be. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, they, when we say a formation, we say a three, one, four, two, well, where's the goalie in that? Ah, he's not even in there because he's, he's a given. Yeah. He's the given. Exactly. So I didn't hear it on Saturday and I think that's something that he really needs to, I think maybe it was just nerves, him being, like you said, a really 
young goalkeeper. Like people don't understand. Like he's a young kid still. And I think that as he gets a little bit more minutes and like kind of gets his head set in on, okay, I'm the bank of the Whitecaps starting goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Like it, the back line, it comes down to me. I'm the last line of defense. I think that when he gets more confident in that, I think we're going to see him flourish a bit more. I think so too. And I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate here. Uh, 2020, no one had really heard of this kid. All of a sudden, he's saving the Whitecaps in the uh, the MLS's back. That He got them to the round of 16. He did well in the penalty shootout against Kansas City. 2021, we know who he is. He's now the backup. There is some ever so slight conversations of him going out on loan or him competing with Max Cripo for the number one job. Obviously, Cripo did extremely well last year. There's no beating around the bush there. But he got some minutes. He played some games. Cripo went away with the Gold Cup. He played, exactly, played seven matches. He's starting to get some minutes. Now he's the number one choice. There's no one else other than him. There's the little, the, the thing that I'm not necessarily scared of, but I feel like something that I really hope doesn't happen is that he's gotten past the nerves of, okay, you know, I don't get many chances. This is my chance. He knows that unless they bring in a keeper, he's got at the minimum 33 games left in the season to make his mark and prove to this club and the fan base what he's able to do. He signed a contract extension as well uh, just before the season started. So the one thing that I'm necessarily, not again, not scared, but I just hope doesn't happen is that he loses that competitive edge of I need to prove myself. I need to win the starting spot. He's got it now that he's, he's the, uh, the, the undisputed number one. Oh, and it's, yeah. it, it's the, the not necessarily relaxing a little bit, but just sort of the, he, he loses that spark and the energy of, well, they can't, you know, they can't really replace me. They, you know, his it's Isaac Bomer right now is the, <laughs> I get a full credit to, uh, to Isaac Bomer and Max Anker, the Academy and everything, but Thomas Assault right now, I just hope that it doesn't get to the point of I'm in the league. I know what I'm doing, you know, whatever happens, happens sort of thing, because I'm, I'm going to be in next week, regardless of what I do today. And I know that's not the mentality that he has. I know he's a competitor. I know how hard he works, how hard he trains and how much, uh, uh, you know how highly he views his craft of being an excellent shot stopper but i just hope that throughout the season if things don't start to go his way or if you know we do see because this is a white cap team that realistically they can't outscore uh if they're letting in three four goals they're not going to win that many games this year it's got to be these close games they're not built to outscore put four five six that's just not the team that the white caps are so there's just a part of me that hopes that uh, Thomas Assault just doesn't lose that competitive edge uh, now that he has what he's been pushing for for the last two years. I think that's so important that you mentioned that too, because in the last two years, we've seen under Mark DeSantos and uh, goalkeepers coach Yusuf Daha that there has always been an internal competition. And whenever mm-hmm. you mention something about, you know, Max Rupo and, and how good he's been playing in the past, they'd, they'd always bring up this, this, he's always being pushed. He's always got that competition at training. And if if Thomas Vassell doesn't have that this season, if he if he thinks that he's maybe just floating into, into the starting role and he is going to be there all, all year, then yeah, that might be a problem. But I think that, you know, we've already heard from the Whitecaps organization that they have been looking for a keeper mm-hmm. for another one to challenge. Um, because I don't... I, as much as I love Isaac Ballmer and I, I 
you know, I think he's been great. He's got one professional star under his belt. Mm-hmm. So if something happens right now to Thomas Asal, if he, he was to get injured, like the, the Whitecaps could really see their season maybe go down the drain very quickly if they yeah. have to, you know, rely on somebody like Isaac Lomer and, and put the entire workload on him. One thing that we haven't mentioned uh, since we last recorded last week when we had the third sub guys come on and Patrick Murphy uh, to preview the Columbus game. And again, uh, just letting everyone know, episode 66 will be out on Friday. Uh, We have the guys from Blue City Radio coming on, uh, NYCFC podcast. So we have them coming on and we'll chat with them to preview that. That's coming out episode 66 on Friday. But something that we haven't mentioned since because it's it's come out since we've last recorded josh is and it, it's not to do with what we saw on saturday but the max capo news of we're getting a little bit more clarity about the situation of what of why and how he left uh vancouver so for anyone that didn't see it it was it was the la times correct i think um yeah i think it was the la times so for now we'll say the la times if not then josh will correct me in a second but so uh when mark de santos was in montreal he let max Crepeau in the door he gave him a chance to trial he he, he gave max Crepeau a, a couple of opportunities to get his foot in the professional game uh, when he moved, when Mark DeSantos came out to Vancouver, he's and there was Max Capo and he was battling with was it Marinovich at the time? Yes, it was the, yes. the, uh, the New Zealand, the, the yeah. Kiwi. <laughs> yeah, so he was bat. He was it was him and Marinovich. Mark DeSantos came in and said, "I want Max Capo. He is my he is my goalkeeper. He's going to be the Whitecaps' future here." So. In Kripo went, out Marinovic went, and obviously the great success that Kripo had for three years of the team. Twice he was the team MVP. And then Mark DeSantos gets the axe, obviously, last summer, heads down to LAFC to become the assistant coach. And Mark Des- and Max Kripo said he was very upset with the uh, dis- uh, disposal, dismission. I don't know. The, the relieving of Mark DeSantos to put it uh, kindly. Um, he wasn't all too happy that someone who's given him such opportunities in the game wasn't with the team anymore, and he wanted to follow suit and uh, be with someone. And again, not that Vanny Sartini didn't trust or wasn't a fan of Max Crepeau, obviously. Uh, between the two of them, they had a lot of success at the tail end of 2021. But Max Crepeau would chase down to LAFC with Mark DeSantos saying, I want to play with him. He's a good friend of mine. He gave me chances before and he gives me a great chance to succeed. And he's gone to LA to follow his good friend, Mark DeSantos. So we'll just kind of get your thoughts on that, Josh, as obviously it was the, it was supposed to, it was the personal situation and some people are fearing for his family's health or he had his newborn daughter in the summer last year. He came out and said, everyone's healthy. Everyone's fine. How do you feel, A, about just the reasoning for him wanting to leave, and then B, how he dealt with it? Well, yeah, you were correct. Uh, so it's Kevin Baxter from the LA Times came out with the article, um, you know, just chatted with Max Capo. And like you said, yeah, for just wanting to, to move out to be with Mark DeSantos, um, I don't know. I, I don't really have any ill feelings towards him for the decision I guess it maybe could have come down earlier but obviously Mark DeSantos wasn't signed as an assistant coach for LAFC until you know closer to the season 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just kind of I'm I'm relieved that it didn't have anything to do with him or his family's health or anything exactly. like that or mm-hmm. you know any um, extenuating circumstances that you know uh, affected Max and and Christine. They've both been amazing to me when they were with the Whitecaps and since mm-hmm. I've been covering the team and when I was a fan before. So uh, I don't know. I, I I wish I wish that it would have I guess been handled earlier I, I don't yeah. know if I I don't know if I like because I don't want to say I wish it was handled differently mm-hmm. because I mean how how else are you going to handle it I mean especially there was um talks on the table that Max Grippo had a contract extension in the works which would make sense considering yeah. they yeah. just re-inked up um Thomas Assault so you know that that all kind of lines up there so yeah it's just a I think that it's still a fluid situation. There's still going to be some more that comes out as cut and dry as well. Mark DeSantos went to LAFC, and that's where I wanted to continue my career because mm-hmm. it's it's clearly not about money. It's clearly not about playing organizational time. fit, yeah. playing time. You know, it's very clear that he loved Vancouver. He loved the organization, and, and they treated him properly. So it's just, it's very confusing still. Like I, yeah. I'm glad at least we have some kind of resolve. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's what, you know, it's a couple of the things that people thought, oh, it might be this, it might be that. Well, it's the one that a lot of people mm-hmm. did think that, okay, Mark DeSantos is there now and that's where he wants to go. But I don't know, maybe about me, maybe it's about winning. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he wants to win. Maybe he sees a a better opportunity to win or to or to showcase himself mm-hmm. right? and you he, know yeah sorry go ahead so, and you know it is, it is tough from the white cats perspective selling him to a direct playoff competitor in the west it'd be different if a he went out east or you know c he went you know out to you know outside the mls if it went overseas to europe if he went down to mexico or somewhere in south america then so be it as well but the fact that it's you know the white caps they're going to play him twice that he's going to come back to bc place he's going to stand in front of the southsiders it's all you know the storylines are writing themselves but i I'll, i'll be honest i i was expecting you know uh, if he was to come out and just straight up say LAFC puts me in the best chance to win or it came down to a contract and they were giving me more money, I would understand that. But for him to, and again, I understand the relation with Mark DeSantos. He gave him his chance in Montreal. He picked him as the number one when he came to Vancouver. And now he's down in LAFC. He wants to stay with someone who's given him so much already. But I think the way, and um, again, obviously we got two quotes out of the uh, the Kevin Baxter uh, article from the LA Times. So I'm sure there was a lot more discussed between the two of them that didn't make the final cut. But it, the way it kind of came across was the the club got rid of my friend, so I'm leaving. Mark DeSantos, you know, when he was fired, the team were at bottom of the Western Conference and they'd just been humiliated in uh, the, the Voyagers Cup by their in-province rival Pacifica, who weren't even a rival before that game. And now there's a blood feud in the Ferryside Derby. And, you know, you look at, you you know, at the same time, you have to look at the situation as a club and say, you know, this is a man who's been here for two and a half years and we're currently bottom when we had playoff aspirations. We have great players that aren't quite fitting. And you see what Vanny Sartini was able to do. Really the only difference you bring in uh, Jungworth under... 
Sartini's watch and all of a sudden it all just clicks and with basically the same batch of players they were able to go on and achieve great things uh, in the second half of that season so you do have to look at it at that aspect of this is a man who's been here for some time now he's left his mark on the club we're not doing as well anywhere near as well as we hoped and we've just got embarrassed by a team that we should never be losing to realistically so and that's a fair reason to give a player the axe but for Mark for Max Capote to say, you know, I was upset and it, it didn't sit well with me that they uh, cut, you know, got rid of Mark DeSantos. I think that's the part that doesn't quite fit with me because you look at what Mark DeSantos was doing and what he wasn't doing, and you have to cut him at that point. There was a time if Mark DeSantos didn't make it to the end of the season, it was going to be because of that uh, Pacific FC game and it had to be done. It was done. And I, I don't know, like, I understand him leaving and wanting to achieve bigger things and LA gives him a better chance to do that. I understand that. Um, but the way it came about of, I was upset that they fired Mark DeSantos. That, that's the part that I don't fully agree with. And I feel like there's still maybe, not necessarily more. And again, you know, there's still a lot of question marks. No one knows the whole truth except from, Mark De, uh, from Max Capoe. So it'll be interesting to see if anything else comes out in the next months or so, because I know that we're playing LA uh, in a few weeks' time in LA. So it's it's coming up, and I don't know. I just don't like how the way... I think I understand what he was going for, but I think the way he worded it of, I don't like that they fired my friend, was, was isn't a great reason to, to, to leave a club that you've given so much to and that has given so much to you. I don't know. I, I... Kind of the same boat as Max. I don't. I don't like that they fired my friend Mark. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. But I don't know. Like you, you've got to look at the they results. Were kind of on, it is a results based business. Well, they were they were on a run. They were on a run of unbeaten streak in MLS action when he got let go. Right. It was the. It was. It, what was the it run? Was, Four or five games when he had gone. Something like that. But it was like it was the start of basically what Vanny Sartini got the end of. Mark mm-hmm. Santos put that in the they had turned things around from, like you said, they mentioned they were last in the MLS Western Conference, but they started to turn it around and it was under Mark DeSantos. Ryan Gold came, they had mm-hmm. that little bit of, a, they were finding their, okay, this is how we want to run our formation and stuff. And then that, yeah, that Canadian championship. But again, if you're Axel Schuster, you have to save face. You can't just sit there, take that loss to an uh, in-province rival and say, okay, everything's fine, we move on. Action had to be taken, and it was drastic, and it cost Mark DeSantis his job. After the match was over, Axel Schuster and um, uh, Jeff uh, Mallet were mm. standing in the in the booth that they had like the um the suite i guess at yeah. um at starlight stadium is it yeah. still called? starlight, yeah, starlight yeah. stadium and and they were just like looking out blankly at the field and it was just like like i i turned to to somebody in the uh in the in media row there and i was like change is happening like <laughs> like it, it just was evident like that was that was it but yeah, i don't know i was I think that the Vancouver Whitecaps would would have still had the same results to end the season under Mark Descent. And I thought that he was maybe let go a little bit prematurely considering what he had had to deal with, with COVID situations, Mm -hmm. playing, how many home games did he have? Like, it's hard to win MLS and soccer games, any soccer games on the road. 
Mm-hmm. Like, this is why people say like, oh, when, when they get a draw, they're like, that's a win. Like, if, if people remember when Canada drew against Mexico in Mexico, it was celebrated. That was a win because mm-hmm. it's hard to win games on the road. It's hard to win games when every single one of them you play is on the road. I'll agree to an extent and going off that Canada analogy, you know, they uh, earlier in the, the draw here, they, they tied to Jamaica uh, in Jamaica. That wasn't viewed as a victory. That was two dropped no. points. And, and, you know, the opponent, the historic, you know, Mexico in a, a stadium as, you know, r- deeply rooted in the history of football as the Azteca is to go in there and you break the streak of they haven't won or drawn there in however many years. And and then you you get to the, the Mark DeSantos part of it. And I, again, we won't draw this on for too long because this was conversations we could have had last year. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, I understand they're premature and they were starting to turn things around. I don't know if they would have made the playoffs under uh, Mark DeSantos. We saw him try and fail numerous times to play a three at the back system and it just never worked. And there was... I think Vanny was exactly what the club needed. It was just a breath of fresh air. I'm not sure. I could see them, the Whitecaps, picking themselves up and not finishing last under Mark DeSantos had he finished the season. But I don't think they would have made the playoffs. I think the club had to do something to save face after that Pacific game. And in came Vanny Sartini, and that's the rest is history. <laughs> uh, and let's hope that he can get back to his winning ways on Saturday against New York TFC. Absolutely. So we'll give a quick two, a uh, couple of minutes chat here. You know, we mentioned that right at the start of the, the show, some positives from this team uh, on the, on Saturday's game against Columbus. What are you changing? What, and we will obviously dive deeper into this with New York, the blue city radio guys on Friday's show, but what are you hoping to see more of? What are you expecting to change? Cause you've got to change something that, it wasn't a great performance. It wasn't awful. 4-0 is a bit harsh. The red card was a bit harsh, but Columbus deservedly and handedly won that game and the scoreline reflected it. So what changes and what are you keeping for uh, for Saturday? I'm taking Javane Brown off the pitch. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he, he did not have a good game. He did uh, not. I, I really liked what I saw out of Dahomey and Nowinski, but I, I hope that they try and make, uh, you know, like force play for themselves down the left side more. I thought they had a lot more um, success doing that because, again, but, but maybe, you know, it, it was just one of those games for Javane Brown. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's such a good player. He's so talented. That's why, you know, before I mentioned if they were confused about what formation they were running because he seemed to be all, like, at one point he was – trying to tackle someone in the midfield. And I'm like, no, that's not what you should be doing. You <laughs> need to get back down the wing and you need to cover that Etienne that's streaking down there wide open. But uh, I thought bringing on Sebastian Berhalter was uh, a nice substitution at halftime. And I thought that the Whitecaps kind of calmed things down before they took that yellow card mm-hmm. or the second one to Jake Derwinski. They actually like were controlling play. They got some nice chances um, got some, you know, some set piece opportunities, but just weren't able to capitalize on them. Like you said, you mentioned Ryan Gold. I liked his play, but I thought his service and his mm-hmm. set pieces were absolutely terrible. Oh. One of them, one of them directly led, led to the yeah, the, the quick free kick. Yeah, yeah. That, 
that one was terrible. And then two, one he did in the second half that led directly to the yellow card for Jake because he put it straight in the head of a Columbus crew defender and they were mm-hmm. off to the races on a counter and Jake had to pull him back. Um, something I do want to mention um, before we go any further is that I'm just scrolling through Twitter and it's come up here. Um, AFTN's confirming, and so is Alex, Alexandra Gongaruzic, um, confirming that Cam Habibula is going out on loan to Pacific FC. So with that, both me and Josh's promising player of the year awards have gone out on loan, David Ekbo <laughs> and Cam Habibula. That's why Habibula wasn't in the, uh, the lineup at all on Saturday. And that probably gave the chance to Emiliano uh, Brienza, Coquitlam native and Centennial uh, High School graduate. So congratulations to him. Shout out to Olivia Anguera, yeah. fellow Centennial graduate, local boy. Um, but yeah, can no, we, can, can we re- make those repicks next week? Um, yes, I think, okay. <laughs> I think, I think so. that's fair. I think that's fair because it's only game, it's only match one, right? Yeah, so we'll, we we'll switch it around. We got 33 to go. Just don't go for Brienza. Rumor has it he's going to the yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so but I mean, that's a good move for Habi Bula. He needed minutes. He, he's a great player, he's got a great horizon ahead of him. Uh, I think Pacific is exactly kind of the level he's at. I think he is still a step below what, uh, the Whitecaps would like to have him uh, out there week in, week out on an MLS uh, weekly basis. So I think the uh, Canadian, the CPL and Pacific FC, I think that's a great foot for him. He's just across the uh, uh, the water there. So he's nice and close for the, the team to keep an eye on him. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to be a very, very good fit there. And it's going to do a lot for his uh, growth as well, heading into hopefully next season with the Whitecaps for Cam Habibula. And he's about an hour drive down from where I am. So I'm excited to. Well, well, uh, you'll check. be our scout, Josh. We'll, ha- yeah. we'll have to get you down at a few more Pacific games, keeping an eye on him. Yes, I keeping an eye on him. I, I'll, I'll write in my ballot for next year's promising player with Happy Bula. <laughs> if he's not go. too old by then to be considered promising. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, good good for Happy Bula. Also, um, it was uh, Fakarini. Was it Fakarini going out as well right before yeah, on Friday? Actually, yeah, just Fac- a little, right before the 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 game. Which was interesting. I was expecting at the very least, if not making the the roster to join the uh, the Whitecaps FC two. Yeah, uh, the MLS Next Pro. Yeah, I thought that he was. Yeah. So we'll see what his next steps are. But again, we wish him the best of luck. He's a great player too. Big, tall, strong on the ball center back. I think he's, he, and he, you know, he's so young as well. People forget he was one of the, the younger coming through that, that bunch of Patrick Metcalf and uh, all the, those, that sort of Whitecap Academy batch right there. He was one of the, the youngest coming out of it. And he was, you know, the biggest and most well-built, I guess, guy on the team um so he's got a bright future ahead of him as well if he continues to develop as well as he has in the last year or two as well so Faccarini uh cut Habibula out on loan Egbo out on loan as well uh from last week as well so we will we'll have to come back for Friday's show with some new promising player picks but I still like my Dahomey MVP and golden boot picks I'm still happy with that yeah, no, I'm happy with my other picks. It's just that one. Yeah, I think we should maybe get a, a redo on it. But uh, for anybody that missed it, uh, our chat with Vanny Sartini and Axel Schuster, Axel really talked about um, how they keep an eye on all of these players on loan. So that was uh, really interesting to, to hear from Axel. So if you missed that, go back and uh, listen to that episode and get a 
get a kind of feel for how um, organizations are are scouting and, and keeping an, an eye on all their players that they that was episode 63 with Vanny and Axel Schuster. We had the third sub podcast and Patrick Murphy come on on episode 64. Anything you want to add before we wrap up episode 65, Josh, and get ready for another week of Whitecaps football? I am excited to break down the match uh, later this week against New York City FC. Uh, and I'm excited to get to BC Place for the home opener. It has been a little while, and uh, I'm pretty pumped for it. It will be a great atmosphere. Unfortunately, I won't be able to attend. Uh, oh. Enough family matters. Some things are are bigger than football, unfortunately. Yes, they are, I'll be I'll be. Uh, what's the the next home game after New York? Because I know they are they have like two or three road games um, in a row before they're back at BC Place. I don't think it's till the end of March. I don't think it's. Yeah, I know. March. I'll be good for that. As Josh looks that up, I'll continue to wrap. The third week in March, I think. Okay. So I'll be there. Josh will be at BC Place, but you can follow us both on Twitter at Rigetti Ben and at Joshua Griffith Zero. You can follow the podcast on social media at 90 Plus Podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Thank you very much to everyone as well for participating in our uh, best Whitecaps jersey bracket. We've got our winner. And it turns out this is the greatest year for Whitecaps kits with the 2021 home kit and the 2022 away kit making it to the final. And the this year's current away jersey has won the, uh, the, the ballot. So congratulations to everyone involved in designing the hashtag this city jersey. It's such a nice jersey. It looks that was the best looking thing out in the field on Saturday, hands down. <laughs> You're right. You're so right. <laughs> it, it, was, it was lovely to see. So thank you for everyone who participated in that. It was just a fun little 10-day experiment, see what our followers and everyone else thinks of uh, the Whitecaps jersey history. We love some good football kits on this show. But that's gonna, uh, that has concluded, as is episode 65. We're on Instagram and Twitter at 90plusPodcast. We're part of the Sports Talkline Network. We'll be back on Friday, uh, episode 66, with Blue City Radio chatting everything NYCFC ahead of Saturday's game. And myself and Josh will give our quick predictions as well uh, on on Friday's show as well. So with that, that is going to do it for episode 65. Thank you guys for listening as always. And again, we really, really mean it when we say that, you know, since we've come back in the last five, six weeks or so, we've done some great numbers. Our social media interactions have been great. Uh, you guys are killing it for listening to us. We thank you guys very much. Uh, the support is always great. And just seeing, you know, uh, you guys are enjoying the show is that's why we do it. That's why we do it, Josh. Yep. Yeah, we uh, we thank everybody so much. It, it's it's been a blast to do, and we have so much more. I hope everyone loved that. Um, the you know the the jersey, the Whitecaps jersey bracket there, and there's gonna be a lot more fun stuff coming out of uh, the 90 Plus podcast and Sports Talk Line all MLS season. Absolutely. So stay tuned. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Google, uh, Pocket Cast, Anchor, anywhere you guys get your podcasts. Myself and Josh will be there with the 90 plus podcast. We'll be back in a few days, but for now, that's going to do it for episode 65 of the 90 plus podcast. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening to the 90 Plus Podcast, part of the Sports Talk Line Network.